Krang, the master brain from Dimension X, ally of the evil Shredder and Baxter Stockman, the wickedly winged scientists are out to destroy the Ninja Turtles. This episode of Epic Tales from the Sewers, we'll be looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures number 2, Return of the Shredder, part 2. Written, drawn, and lettered by Dave Garcia. Adapted from scripts by Christy Marks and David Wise. Starting off, we get a note from the narrator to catch us up so far. Master Splinter's lifelong enemy, Saki, the Shredder, has returned from Dimension X and has begun a, a plot to discredit the Turtles. Denied his henchmen by the warlord Krang, Saki seeks the aid of an old friend. Enter the scene the exterior of a large pink house in a wooded area. A sign reads, Sunnydale, home for the extremely overwrought. Inside, we see Baxter Stockman telling his tale of woe to a man dressed as Napoleon Bonaparte. A silhouette appears behind the bars of the windows. The hands reach through and bend the bars with a creak sound. The dust settles as Shredder appears to be looking to speak with Baxter. Baxter says, Please don't hurt me, Master Shredder. I promise I'll never fail you again. The Shredder responds, Stop sniveling. I need you to build the ultimate rat catcher. Then they escape out the window. Outside, Baxter mentions that he knows just the thing. He escorts his master to a nearby construction site. He points out a machine used for digging a tunnel. It's part drill and part d bulldozer. Shredder uh, slashes the lock to bring them into the yard. Baxter says he will redesign this so that no rat in the city will be safe. Shredder remarks, There's only one rat I'm interested in catching, and his name is Splinter. Meanwhile, back at Channel 6 newsroom, April O'Neil shows the footage of a, the crooked turtle gang to her boss, Byrne Thompson. He thinks that it sure looked like turtles to him, and they'll run this on the 11 o'clock news. And that's in order. When April is finally alone, she uses her turtle communicator to contact Leonardo. We see a set of green feet underneath the yellow and green van, and Donatello answers, Hey, April, it's Donatello. What's up? She tells him, Hurry down to Channel 6 offices. It's an emergency. You turtles are about to be declared public enemy number one. Mikey overhears and adds, Oh, wow! Check it out! We're at the top of the charts! Yeah, number one with a bullet, says Raph. Leo tells them to quit clowning, and this is serious. He tells April they are on their way. Nighttime. Darkness has fallen and a crescent moon is in the sky. The turtles float silently close to the Channel 6 building aboard the turtle blimp. Luckily, April has left the light on for them. They attach a line of rope and swing into the open window. They ask what's the emergency. April decides it's better to just show them as she sets a tape into the VCR. They all watch the footage from the latest heist from the Crooked Turtle Gang. While the turtles are surprised, Ralph says, Well, uh, they sure know how to dress. On the tape, Michelangelo noticed something familiar about their techniques, one that could have only been taught by Splinter or the Shredder. This confirms Shredder's, Splinter's premonition that Shredder has returned from Dimension X. The turtles are startled by a loud scream. Eee! April notices Tiffany, Byrne Thompson's girlfriend, in the doorway. Gee, I thought it was a sonic death ray, says Donatello. Leo says it's time to go, just as Byrne busts in behind the screaming woman. It's them, the ninja crooks! Call security, says Byrne. Byrne asks, what were those green terrorists doing here? April says, I, uh, I lured them here to expose them. Uh, what are you two doing here so late? 
Tiffany kind of uh, hugs onto Burn and goes, Tell it, Burns. And Burns stammers uh, as Tiffany holds him and says, Why, uh, uh, this is, uh, uh, never mind. Uh, good work, uh, April. Uh, carry on. The setting changes to a peaceful meditation for Master Splinter. His eye opens to hear a strange noise. But just then, he is surprised by Baxter Stockman busting through his wall with a modified rat trap. There's no running from the ultimate rat-catching machine! He promptly swallows up Splinter in the jaws of the trap and speeds off down the tunnel he entered through. Splinter thinks to himself, it sure seems to be no way out. Soon after Splinter is taken, the turtles return home. They find Splinter is missing, and there is a gaping hole in the wall of the lair. Mikey says, This has to be Shredder's work. Either that or some totally humongous termites. They follow through the tunnel after Baxter, later to emerge through a sewer pipe. Leo says, This is where the trail ends. A voice from just above them says, And your trouble begins. You wimps are about to become Turtle Toe Jam! As a red-haired leader of the Crooked Turtle Gang looks down on them. Four men, dressed as turtles, pop out of the junkyard. Several other pop out from the other side. The turtles line up back-to-back, weapons drawn and ready for action. This is actually my favorite panel of the book. They attack. Leo jumps out of the way. He makes some short jumps over a sofa and with his swords slashes out the cushions and the innards and lands in front of it. Come and get me, hotshots, Leo says. The two jump over the sofa and land inside the sofa guts, getting caught in the springs with a croink and a boing boing. Two down. Several to go. Mikey holds off the other two men, while Raph opens some oil drums with his size, like a can opener. He then kicks them both towards the goons dressed as turtles. Mikey jumps up, and the barrels cover the two men. Double bullseye! And then he kicks him down to the hill to roll away. Donatello takes on two additional men with his bow staff. Then he flicks some steel belt tires over their heads, covering them in tires from head to toe. As Mikey drums, I've been working on the railroad, on one of the punks from Slash, the leader tries to slink away to avoid capture. Raph notices, and all four of the turtles corner him. A cartoon dust cloud we see crunch, thunk, crunk, slash, clack, clack, and slash reappears in old-fashioned stocks with his hands and heads trapped. They ask where the shredder was, and he tells them, He left you guys a message right over there, pointing to a fence, with a message written in red paint. Meet me at the Slash for Cash Dojo if you dare. Signed, Shredder. All four high-five and say, We dare! Back at the turtles' lair, April sees that there has been some trouble. She thinks that they may need some help and decides to follow the tunnel to find Splinter and the turtles. Inside the dojo, Shredder stands by Splinter, who has been tied by his wrist to the wall. Splinter asks Shredder, You do not truly believe your students can defeat mine. Shredder responds, Those clumsy fools I trained? Ha 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 ha! They were merely a way of delaying the turtles until I could complete my trap. Now I can destroy all of you! Splinter says back to Shredder with a sneer, No matter what you do to me, my turtles will defeat you. That talented master! We hear a voice from behind. Shredder is only briefly surprised by the turtles, telling them to look above them. There is a large fish-shaped battering ram attached to a rope. Shredder stands holding a sword above the rope, ready to cut it. Not another step, or your furry sensei will be crushed. Mikey, it's gotta weigh megatons! It does look very heavy. Leo is startled Leo is startled in that none of them can stop that. Shredder laughs and gloats as he raises the blade to cut the rope. All of a sudden, we see the room begin to rumble, and Baxter Stockman crashes through the walls with his modified rat catcher, interrupting Shredder mid-swing. The turtles each try to take care of a different attachment as Baxter attacks them. Leo slashes the tires. Donnie takes off the scythe. 
Raph breaks two arms, and Mikey bangs on the cab where Baxter sits. This is enough to send Baxter jumping to save himself, yelling, Save me, master! The rat catcher jump runs out of control, and Shredder cuts the rope to release the battering ram. Leo moves quickly to release Splinter, while Raphael does, drives the rat catcher into the path of the battering ram. Raph dives out of the way just as the ram crashes into the machine with a thoom, followed by a kaboom. Leonardo grabs Splinter, and they dive out of the way from the explosion just in time. Splinter thanks them for saving him, and then they watch the Shredder escape with Baxter under his arm, laughing as he dives into a hole in the ground. The police sirens fill the air, and the turtles and Splinter escapes into a nearby manhole. Shredder tries to tell Krang about his plan, and only failed because that idiot Baxter. Bebop and Rocksteady laugh and call him Bozo, <laughs> nerd, and Krang says, No excuses! You were beaten once again! Until you prove yourself, you will not get one shred of help from me! <laughs> Bebop and, La and Rocksteady laugh at Krang's pun. Shredder vows not to rest until he destroys Splinter and the Turtles. April, on a live newscast, tells the viewers that the Crooked Ninja Turtle Gang has been captured by the police. She persists to expose the hoax of the Green Turtle Menace. Tiffany watches with Burn Thompson is upset that he let April say nice things about turtles. She's thinking that he does love turtles after all. He swears he doesn't. Irma comes in with lunch. Here's your lunch, boss. Uh, let me see. You ordered the uh, mock turtle soup. What? Tiffany exclaims. I knew you were a lousy turtle lover. Goodbye. As she dumps the soup on his head and storms out. Irma quips. I guess she's not a soup lover either. We see a scene of the turtles huddled around the TV set watching April's broadcast. So far, no one knows the identity of those mysterious green heroes who stopped this crime spree. But whoever you are, thanks, says April with a wink. The four turtles argue about which one of them it was meant for, and April comes back on with, If you want to know who I was winking at, Splinter! They cannot believe it. And as we see Master Splinter smile and say, It has been said, age has its advantages. <laughs> this ends issue two of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures. This is from the Baxter Stockman issue number two of the micro series from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the villain series. We open up on Burnow Island. I've been here for far too long, playing lackey to the extra-dimensional warlord Krang. He tasked me with overseeing the completion of his Technodrome, a work of terrifying proportions and limitless possibility. I've been doing my best to learn more than Krang is willing to share, but I've barely scratched the surface. Still, I understand enough. Krang intends to use the Technodrome to terraform Earth, remaking it to better suit his people's needs. But such an extensive change would not suit my own. I can live with the Dictator. Dictators can be influenced or replaced. But Krang's radical transformation of the ecosystem would irreversibly render the Earth unfit for human habitation. I obviously can't allow this, but I can't openly defy Krang. This leaves me with a problem. But all problems have a solution. My father taught me that. This shows uh, Baxter in the workshop working with Mausers on some uh, mechanical items. Now we go to a scene where father and son, a young man and his father, are learning to play chess. You just have to learn to think, son. When you can think, you can turn anything into a win. And winning is what life is all about. Dad, a dumb game can't teach me to think. I already do that. This game forces you to anticipate obstacles and how you'll get past them. If you already know how to think so well, then why do I keep beating you? I almost won the last one. You just got lucky. Thud! Slams his hand down on the chessboard. Luck is a bunch of superstitious claptrap. We believe only in the power of our minds and what we can accomplish with them. Now set the board up again. 
back at his lab. Stockman, I expect you to answer immediately when I call for a status report. Krang says as he pops up on the viewfinder. My apologies, General. I was in the middle of a rather complex calculation. As for the Technodrome, it remains on schedule, just as it was the last time you asked. I would prefer ahead of schedule. I'm tired of waiting. Uh, do you want it sooner, or do you want it done right? You seem to be under the impression I'm offering a choice. Perhaps you weren't focusing so much on your little side projects. This, this is for the Technodrome, General. I fail to see a connection. The people I have working under me are of limited competence. Some innovation is needed to further speed things along. We show that Baxter is working on a cybernetic fly person with four arms and uh, one half of its face covered in cybernetics. And this is what you came up with? Perhaps I've misjudged how much responsibility you can handle before your pathetic mind breaks. I was inspired by the notion of insect colonies, General. This is my prototype, Flyborg. Part mutated insect, part machine. Small enough to fit in the cramped spaces, stronger than any human worker, more intuitive than a mechanical drone, and best of all, completely expendable. I'm going to take this one on a trial run. If it performs to expectations, I'll make enough of these to put in the Technodrome ahead of schedule. Hmm, I might have actually stumbled across something worthwhile here. Keep me informed. And when I say that, Stockman, I expect you do so this time. You arrogant little... No, breathe. Don't get angry. Back to the child who's grown significantly in years uh, against his father, back playing chess. Well, are you going to move or aren't you? I'm thinking. You should have already several ideas based on the available moves given your choice will give me. Maybe you're not as smart as I thought you were. There. See what you did there? Moved your knight right into my trap. Because you're angry. There'll always be things that make you mad, son, but anger shakes your concentration, and then you make mistakes. Can I have a do-over? There are no do-overs in life, Baxter. Only people trying to win. Your move. Next, we see a picture of the Technodrome, which itself is immense. It looks just like this huge ball over on the island, and it is uh, being constructed. Even unfinished, the te Technodrome is magnificent, a wonder of alien technology. With it, I could change the world, not through overt conquest. Why make myself a target? No, I'd simply rather be a gatekeeper, the technology allowing access to the world in exchange for influence. It would be better for everyone, better than a dead Earth, certainly. We see Baxter walking with a uh, tablet in his hand next to Flyborg. If only I could simply take full control of the Technodrome, but Krang trusts no one. He has protocols in place to keep it secure. I'd be foolish to make a move without knowing all possible counter-moves. The computer systems are monitored, and the security is too tight even for me to wander freely. If I investigate anything directly, I get caught and I lose. If Krang realizes what I know, he restricts my access and I lose. So I do nothing, he successfully terraforms the Earth, and I become a, at best a pet, and I lose. Dr. Stockman. You see, Stockman is approached by a, uh, a security detail of rock soldiers. What is this thing, and why is it in here? Not thing, says Flyborg. What did it just say something? Not thing. Not expendable thing. Interesting. Wasn't expecting that level of cognitive function, but still, zzz, the fly buzz buzzes, and we see some electricity around its collar. It buzzes again, <laughs> as it tears off its mechanical control collar. Well, I didn't expect that, either. Shut down your mutant, Doctor, or we will fire, says a rock soldier. And, and what? If there's a ricochet, shut it down, Doctor. I can't! They point their guns at him. Better get down on the ground, on your own. You hear me, bug? I said down now. Will not submit. 
What? Ah! And Flyborg runs and does a haymaker punch with two fists right at the rock soldier, knocking him down, knocking several pieces of rock off his face. I probably should have warned them. Flyborg is much stronger than it looks. We see a, a splash panel here of Flyborg taking out all of the rock soldiers. The creature was built for maximum strength and a compact size. I imagine it hits like a runaway truck. And between its small-scale natural exoskeleton and cybernetic enhancements, it can shrug off all the most crushing of blows while evading firepower. In short, a human opponent, even one encased in stone and armed, is hardly a challenge for it in a fair fight. I suppose I should be feeling pity. For a moment, I feel like Dr. Frankenstein, pursued by his creation. Even though my monster isn't nearly as smart as the one Mary Shelley wrote about. As Baxter checks his uh, data on his pad, he goes, boop, hits a button, and runs runs away down the hallway. It's still too powerful for me to stop on my own. We see Krang pop back up on the view screen. Stockman, this better be import. General Krang, it's the Flyborg. Why are you whispering? My experiment, it got away from me and... And something went wrong. Why? I would have never predicted that. Oh yes, the security footage tells quite the tale. A tale in which you've made another mess playing with mutants. We see a picture of uh, the turtles fighting against Krang. And I have grown tired of mutants lately. General, you need to send more guards. Need to? Watch your tone, Stockman. My patience is not infinite. I am sorry, General, but I put a tracking chip in Flyborg's prototype to keep tabs on it. I know it's coming back this way. Please, there must be some place I can hide, some place secure. Well, you're not wrong about your little patties coming. General, please, don't make me beg. <laughs> I enjoy seeing the side of you, Stockman. It amuses me. Follow the monitor and I'll help you scurry away to safety. Finally. Safety. The nearest secured control room is a good sprint from here. Thankfully, I've kept in shape, which keeps me far ahead of the Flyborg. Certainly wouldn't do to be overtaken by him before I'm ready. It's too slow. And see a door close right in front of the Flyborg. We see a fist punch out the grate for a ventilation shaft, and in comes the Flyborg. Crunch. Yes, yes, it's enough of that. He hits something on his tablet, and then we hear... Electricity hits the flyboard. If you're wondering why you're in so much pain right now, even after tearing off your collar, it's because I have complete control of the cybernetics in your body. Your biological brain may be able to think, but that's only because I allowed it. Why? says the flyboard. Why? I suppose I could tell you after all. You did just destroy the equipment monitoring in this this room. But uh, first, you have something I need. He opens up a panel in his chest and pulls out a uh, small microchip. If you were initially meant to be a simple Trojan horse and introduce a device that would wirelessly harvest bits of data from the Technodrome. Ah, here it is. But then after I had a better idea, with some theatrics, I could gain access to everything. Top it off with a little destruction from when you tore this room apart to find me, and my tracks are covered. He brings the Flyborg back online to have it rip apart a uh, control panel. Now there's just one loose end. But wait, do you hear that? The sound of Rockmen tromping down the hall? Help! Help! It's in here! You have to help me! The Rockmen bust in. There it is! End it! No, wait! Says the Flyborg. Baxter takes this this opportunity to shut the Flyborg down. It's attacking! Fire at will! But mind the civilian! No, no, not like this! Wait, please, you must... The Flyborg is no more. Later full detail of Krang's plans are unsettling. Not that he intends to let me live to see them come to fruition. Happily, the files also contain information I can use to wrest control for the Tecrodrome from him. I can't do it alone. There is no shortage of pawns in this world. We see behind him a uh, 
bunch of vats that seem to have clear liquid and floating flyborgs in them. Looks like he intends to create an army of flyborgs. The fugitoid, for instance, as he pulls up a picture of fugitoid on his monitor, his mind was responsible for much of the technodrome, and Krang actually fears his talent for invention. That alone makes him the perfect instrument for my plans. Yes, I'd call that check. Back to the old man and his son, now grown into a man. Wait, did you just say check a little early, son? I haven't even started playing the game! Oh, we've been playing that game for years, Dad. Here, what's this? Hands him an envelope. Is this some kind of joke? Not really. Your office is being cleared out as we speak. But don't worry, I'll take good care of StockGen now that I'm in charge. Why would you do this? I taught you everything you... Yes, you did. I admit it, I came out here today because I wanted to see if you saw the takeover coming. Maybe you had one more trick up your sleeve. I'm a little disappointed that you don't. But hey, I won. That's what life's all about. Isn't it, Dad? This was, uh... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Villains Micro Series Number Two, with the script by Eric Burnham, art by Andy Kuhn. It's pizza time. And now, in a segment we'd like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook, or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. It's time for pizza power. Today, we're going to take a look at overnight dough. A favorite recipe of the turtles, this long-fermenting dough is perfectly flavored and bakes up amazingly light on the inside and crisp on the outside. TMT hint, mix the dough at 8 or 9 p.m. to make the pizza for dinner the next day. Timing, patience, fermentation. Do these bros know a lot about dough or what? Ingredients. You will need 3 and 3 fourths cup of bread flour, 1 fourth teaspoon activated dry or instant yeast, 2 teaspoons fine sea salt, 1 teaspoon of sugar, 1 and 1 half cup of cold water, and 1 tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil. Instructions. Step 1. In a large bowl, whisk together flour, yeast, salt, and sugar. Step 2. Add the water and oil and mix with your hands or a wooden spoon until all of the flour is incorporated. The dough will be sticky. Step 3. Cover the bowl with plastic wrap and let it rise at room temperature for about 18 to 20 hours or until it has more than doubled its volume. Step 4. Scrape the dough out into a floured work surface and use a knife or scraper to divide in half. Step 5. Shape each piece of dough by folding it into four sides under toward the center, then forming into a ball. If the dough fills sticky, dust with flour. Step 6. Cover the formed dough balls with a damp kitchen towel and let them rest 30 minutes or up to 3 hours before using. If you are not making pizza right away, wrap the loose balls with plastic wrap and store them in the refrigerator for up to 3 days. Step 7. Roll or stretch the dough, add desired toppings, and bake. Final tip. If you're planning on making one large baking sheet pizza, do not divide the dough in half. Simply plop the whole thing into a heavy-duty rimmed baking sheet and stretch out. All right, dudes, tune in next week, and we'll tell you how to make the sauce. Kids are power pack new series. But Shredder wants it. We must take that power. Yeah, let me have it. Let's give it to him. Oh, the Ninja Mess. Chow down, dudes. It's Crunchy Ninja Mess with Ninja Marshmallows. A power pack crunch. Part of your balanced breakfast. Tastes Taste great. Now we crunch you. Turtle power. Ninja Turtle.
right, dudes, and now with your Mikey moment of the week, here is the bodacious Andy Doyle. Cowabunga! Whoa. Cowabunga, dudes, it's time for your Mikey moment of the week. Remember when time traveling to always wear an extra pair of shorts so that the dude that you're trading places with doesn't show up bare butt naked. Catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW, Archie Comics, Nickelodeon Studios, or any other turtle properties. This podcast is part of the Epic Sewers podcast network. Check out our other great shows, both turtle-related and not. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper, with featuring Andy Doyle. <laughs> Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con is back at Mohegan Sun on July 30th to August 1st. Meet actors and superheroes. Shop for cool stuff. It's three days of Comic-Con fun. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con at Mohegan Sun, July 30th through August 1st. Learn more at Terrificon.com.